Battle is back! It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. We're gonna be talking to Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. He just set the UFC record for fastest submission in featherweight history. He went out there against Maximo Blanco, front kicked him, flying front kicked him, and then uh, tapped him out with that anaconda choke. Then right after, we're gonna be joined by UFC welterweight Bilal Muhammad. He just got his first ever UFC victory when he TKO'd Augusta Montano in Hidalgo, Texas. Now next up, he's fighting at UFC 205 in New York at Madison Square Garden against Lyman Goose. So we're going to talk all about that. And then I'm joined by the Titan FC flyweight champion of the world, Jose Shorty Torres. We got a lot to catch up on. And finally, I'm joined by Ken Porter. This is a guy that's fighting at RFA this Friday on Access TV. He's 9-2. and two. He took the fight on short notice, and he's stepping up to fight in the co-main event of the evening. So you know we got to catch up with him. Hope you guys enjoy. First up, Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. Joining me now is Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. Chaz, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. Oh, thanks, man. How you doing? Doing amazing, dude. So you just set the record for the fastest sub in featherweight history. That's the second record you set because you beat Chris Lieben in the, the fastest turnaround. Now you have the fastest sub in featherweight history. How does it feel, man? Feels pretty good, you know. Uh, I don't know. I'm just setting all these records for being the fastest at doing things me and Usain Bolt are just in competition now I know right He's like <laughs> no I mean that feels good I, I'm just uh you know I'm just happy to have went out there and got the win you know and then and done it the way the way that I wanted to do it you know I I just think that to go out there and do something to bring attention to myself where fans want to watch me fight I mean that's just like my main goal every time so regardless of winning records and stuff, that's all, that's all secondary. You know, it's more about going out and putting on good fights. Oh yeah, absolutely. The fans love exciting fighters. What's the next uh, record you're going to set, dude? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to go for, uh, well, I wonder what the fastest knockout in, in featherweight history is. It might be, uh, it might be the championship fight between Connor and Jose. Oh Yeah. I bet it probably is. That was pretty quick, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you got, but you got something to aim for. That's the good news. That's true. I do have something to aim for. There's got to be a better. There's got to be another record out there. That I'm just. What do you think? What do you think I should go for next? Well, you could beat your own submission record. I guess I could beat my own submission record. That would be a nice one. Because I mean, or I could. Uh, Ronda Rousey has the fastest in UFC history, so you should aim to beat that well, one. How fast was hers? I think off the top of my head, it was like what, thirteen to fourteen seconds. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know. Actually, when I watched the video, it looked like looked like he went out in, in uh, fifteen seconds. So. Oh yeah, that's actually true. That's a good point. I was actually watching, and I thought that myself. You know, remember when uh, Dwayne Bang Ludwig knocked out uh, Jonathan Goulet in like seven seconds? But yeah, for a while yeah. they said it was thirteen seconds, and then uh, you know he got it reviewed, and they got it changed to the right time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should uh, 
Maybe I should appeal that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, dude, it's funny because, you know, I've watched a ton of Maximo Blanco's fights, and he's known for right when the bell rings, he runs at his opponents, usually throws a big flying knee, and uh, you uh, turn the tables on Maximo Blanco. How long did you have that plan to just go out there and run at him? Uh, just like the week of the fight. Well, honestly, this is how it kind of came about. Like, you know, I watch people's videos. I always break down their videos. Um, and you know, I saw that in most of his fights, he comes out real strong, comes out fast with like a, like, like you said, like some flying knees and spinning, spinning back kicks sometimes, stuff like that. Tries to catch people kind of off guard. Well, for me, um, I was just, I noticed that he, he comes out real strong, but he fades real fast, you know? Um, so basically what I wanted to do is just put the pressure on him early and just keep that pace because I was in really, really good shape for this fight. Um, and I knew that I could keep a really high pace for three rounds because I had been doing it in training. Um, so, you know, my plan was to come out and just stay in his face and pressure him, but, but not just stay in his face. I mean, like, like make him fight. You know what I mean? I was going to, I was going to come out and make him, make him throw a lot and also push him up against the cage and make him work his back off the cage possibly take him down a couple of times, make him get back up off the ground. You know, that's, that was what I wanted to do. Regardless of how the first round went, I, I didn't really care who won the first round as long as he was working the whole time. Cause I knew that in the second and third, I could come, I could really pick up the pace and stay in his face and, uh, and start picking him apart with some, uh, with some striking stuff that I'd seen on video. Uh, when he gets tired, he has a lot of really bad tendencies. So I was going to just capitalize on that. Well, the week of the fight, I got down there. I was like, you know what? I was like, this guy always runs out and kicks people, like does that crazy stuff. I was like, I hope he does it against me because I'm going to do it. Like, I'm just, I hope we just meet in the middle. You know, that'd be a good good way to start a good scrap is uh, both of us running at each other, jump jump kick, meet in the middle, clash, and then and I was just going to make him keep that pace from there, basically. Because, you know, you start with that. That's a big adrenaline dump right off the beginning both guys running at each other, throwing jumping kicks and then just starting to throw down. I think I thought that would be a good way to start it. And then possibly a good way to get a bonus, you know, if, uh, if I landed something significant and that's kind of what happened. Hey, well, you thought correctly, man, because not only was it exciting, but you also got the bonus, as you mentioned. And, dude, it's really cool because when I see guys going for anacondas, usually it's, uh, you know, a counter to a takedown attempt. Like someone shooting in for a takedown, you sprawl, then you go for the anaconda. With you, it almost seemed like you pulled guard at first and then you turned it into the anaconda. Can you talk about that setup? Because I've never seen that before. Yeah, basically, uh, well, you know, I do that a lot. I, I do. I've, I've done that, you know... Uh, basically what I was doing was I was going for the army and guillotine. I don't really hit the army and guillotine much, but I do hit the darts from there and the anaconda. So basically I was just, it was basically just a setup for the, for the anaconda there, which if he had, um, you know, it, I wasn't going to get that army and guillotine. It wasn't tight. I wasn't trying to make it tight really. But what he did was he sat, he kind of sat with it, and, I, and then I sat to the anaconda, which um, if he would have sat the opposite direction or if I would have kept the army guillotine, I would have went with uh, one butterfly hook, like my left butt, if I had the guillotine on the on my left side, so his the right side of his body, 
um, his right arm was in, would have been in. I would have uh, put in my left butterfly hook, flipped him, like, you know, for a sweep, and I would have came up with a dars. But since he sat the opposite way, I just sat into it with the, with the anaconda. And it was pretty deep there. So I do that. You know, I do that a lot. It's just kind of something I've done for a long time. Uh, uh, I think back when I first started with Mark Lehman, uh, with Team Takedown, Mark Lehman, he, he was real big on uh, uh, doing that doing that little series there with the with the uh, Army guillotine to the to the because you know the Army guillotine it's a tough choke to get, but there's a lot of things you can do off of there, so it's basically just a setup for me. Uh, and then also you know even coming down to coming down to Black Zillions, it's something that uh, you know Neil Melanson, I work with him some too, and he he likes those front lock chokes, so it's something that uh, I drilled a little bit there. I've been doing it for a, a long time, you know, with Mark Lehman kind of that was a big, a big series for him. And it's also a big series for Neil. So it's good to continue to do that stuff. Cause that's just the, that's, you know, that's my game. So it's what I'm, it's what I'm good at. I took to it really, really fast. And, and that's just something that you'll probably see a lot out of me. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to hit that stuff too much, but even, you know, you look in the Kevin Souza fight when he came up from the bottom, I, I dropped that, uh, I dropped that Mars and tried to finish it there, which I probably should have finished it, but, um, that's just stuff I do a lot, and the more you watch me fight, the more you watch me grapple, the more you'll see it. Damn, so that arm in guillotine, whenever you go for that, it's basically a trap, because no matter which way the guy tries to escape, you have an answer for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm never trying to finish, I don't want to gas my arms out with that arm in guillotine, I, I don't uh, <clears throat> I don't really use that to to try and finish it all, I just use it, I just snag it to uh, to set up the next move. So, dude, when you were on the show with uh, our boy James Vick, you told me that, you know, your favorite submissions are, you know, the Dars, the Mars, and the Anaconda. What what exactly is the Mars? Because you referred to it in the Sousa fight. Was that when you were on bottom side control and you you went for that Dars? Is that what it is? It's uh, it's uh, basically just the same thing as a Dars, but you, like, roll to your, rolling under on your back. Like, when he came up in the Kevin Sousa fight, he came up for an underhook when he was on his back and I was on top. I just scooped his head in and uh, rolled under to my back. It's like it's like hitting a dart. So when you finish a dart, you're on top. A marsh is like you roll into your back and finish it from there. Okay, damn, we're getting uh, getting a technique lesson by Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. I appreciate it, man. And dude, so you know, last time we spoke, you were still in training camp for this fight, and you were telling me that everything was going great with the Black Zillions. But now you've had a full tr- uh, full fight camp under your belt, a fight. You know, you got the record, you got the bonus. So now tell me, what what was it like doing a whole camp at the Black Zillions? Oh, it was awesome, man. You know, everybody, I really like the team out there. I think uh, really good vibes with the the team and, and the workout partners. It's, you know, it's good when you have um, excellent workout partners to work with every day. I mean, that, that makes a world of difference. And then, you know, as far as the coaching is concerned, I mean, I had, you know, I had great coaching at Team Takedown with, you know, Mark Lehman. Kenny Monday, uh, Tony Cabello, Stephen Wright—you know—they were good, great coaches. So I've never, I've never complained about coaching. But even out at Black Zillions, I also have a great, great, great staff. You know, um, I think Henry Hoos, uh really—I really took to his. I really, really like his style of striking. Um, it's basically what I need as a striker. Um, he stays real. He stays real uh, basic down the middle you know he well 
not everything's down the middle, but he stays real basic with me um, because I really need to clean up my technique so bad that this whole camp, you know, that's why I'm trying. I'm trying to get back down there right now. I'm actually looking for places to live right now so I can get back down there and keep and continue my training when I don't have a fight coming up uh, just to get better outside of camp uh, because really he's just trying to break my stuff down technically and, and force me to be a more technical striker, you know, as opposed to just going out there and slugging it out with somebody, which, you know, I like to do that, but, uh, I want to be able to pick people apart and he's really trying to teach me how to set traps for people on our feet, you know? And I really like that. And then, you know, you got Greg Jones, the wrestling, um, two time division one national champion, you know, it's, uh, you can't go wrong there. You know, Greg's, Greg's got some great stuff. I like him as a person. He's a cool, cool guy. And, uh, he does a great job. I, we, we have some great sessions in there with the wrestling practices. You know, we get in there, we go hard, and we get out. I like that. That's, that's huge. And then, of course, you know, Neil with the, the ground game, he's got so much stuff. You know, he, he's been around the sport for so long. It seems like he just has a lot of stuff. You know, he has a lot of, a lot of different techniques that, that you don't think to use or you wouldn't think to use until, until he shows it, and then you're like, "Oh man, that's little stuff I could really, that could really improve my game." So, I think. Uh, oh, and another thing that I really like out there is the strength conditioning coaches, uh, Jake Bonacci and uh, and Corey Peacock are two strength conditioning coaches that are both really intelligent guys. Um, they do it in a, in a really intelligent manner, and they've they've got it down, man. They've got a system down, so it works, and uh, that's that's a huge part of of a training campus being being conditioned well and and having a system down to where you're not you're not overtraining but you're training enough you know what i mean that's that's something that i've had a hard time with throughout my career i'm the type of guy that when i get in camp i just want to go and go and go and go and go you know sometimes i tend to go a little too much so sometimes they'll make you pull back and then sometimes they'll make you go harder just depending on depending on how your body feels, what's going on with you. So it's a great camp. You know, I I can't complain at all. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, those are amazing coaches you mentioned. Obviously, it sounds like you developed a good bond with them. What did Henry Hoof say to you about that uh, flying front kick? Uh, He just uh, said I was a crazy redneck. (laughs) (laughs) He said, he said, uh, before the fight, I told him I was going to do it. I told him, I told everybody I was going to drop kick the kid or whatever. And uh, I'd been practicing in my hotel room the week of the fight. I like I said I, I decided to do it the week of the fight, so I had been practicing at my hotel room. I'd start at the door, and then I'm like when we would have practices too that week, I, I was showing them what I was like. Yeah, are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> fight! And then I would just take off sprinting from my door onto my hotel bed and do like a drop kick. <laughs> and uh, he was like, "If that works, do not tell people I showed you that." Or tell he's like, "If you knock this guy out." With that, do not tell people that I showed you that. I told you to do that. He's like, I did not teach you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. So, so that same yeah. night in the main event, your training partner, Michael Johnson, just, I mean, I did not expect him to make a statement like that. I thought, look, if he's going to win, it's going to be a hard-fought battle. And it wasn't even a fight. I mean, he knocked out Dustin Poirier, who is one of the best fighters on planet Earth. He knocked him out in under two minutes. Uh, did you know that that was going to go down like that? Well, I don't know. Who did I pick last time we talked? Well, you picked MJ, of course. He's your guy. But did you know well, he was going to knock him out in under two minutes? I mean, he basically nah. just knocked him out without a fight. Well, you know, when I broke down that fight, when, when they told me, uh, I just kind of do this now, I think actually 
it's kind of funny, you know, Mark, Mark Lehman has some, has some good qualities about him as a coach. But I think his best quality uh, that he kind of instilled in me, you know, even though we don't work together anymore, it's stuck with me is that uh, he breaks down film and he loves to break down film and, uh, and it kind of got me doing it. And so when, when I saw, when I heard the matchup, when I was out there and, and they told me that he was fighting Dustin Poirier, I just, my first thought was uh, that, that Michael's too fast for him. That's yeah. just, uh, I watched the film. I went back and I watched Poirier's film and I watched, I watched Michael's film and uh, I just thought, and I know that Michael's, in, I mean, we did all of our strength conditioning together, you know, at, uh, up there at Black Studies with Jake. We did, we did our strength conditioning together, so I knew how good a shape Michael's in. And we sparred together a lot and stuff. We we went together a lot. I just said, you know, Michael Michael needs to uh, – I know he's going to move enough to where it's going to be hard to take him down. So as long as he's moving and doesn't get trapped against the cage to where he gets taken down, I thought he'd be fine. I mean, I, I thought that he was going to – I thought that he was going to outpoint him and, and, uh, and then possibly, you know, catch him with something, get TKO. I didn't know it was going to be like that. But – I just thought he was too fast for him when I saw, I just saw a real, real, real difference in speed when I watched the video. Yeah. And it was pretty evident on fight night. What's it like training and sparring with a guy like that? That's not just a high caliber UFC fighter, but I mean, just the speed that you mentioned, man. Uh, I like it. You know, for me, it's something that's good because it keeps me moving and, and going, and, you know, and I'm an awkward guy to go with myself. So it's kind of, it's, we have really good rounds. We had some really, really tough rounds in this camp with each other. Uh, and we both, neither one of us liked to like to back away. So not only did we have tough rounds, we had tough tiring rounds because we were throwing a fucking hundred punches around. You know what I mean? So it was like, we had some, I, I liked it. You know, it's one of those things where if you can get rounds like that in, in sparring and you're doing five, five minute rounds sparring, you're getting rounds like that in the mix. You know, you know you're going to be in shape for the fight. Yeah, well said, man. So, you know, I can't let you go without getting a couple fight predictions. So, in your division, I got to know what you think, man. Andre Feely's fighting Hakran Diaz this weekend. I think it's a hell of a scrap. What do you, how do you see that one going down, man? Uh, Hakran Diaz, by unanimous decision, I think uh, Hakran's going to be able to take him down every round. Um, Hakran's got a good solid chin. Andre Feely's, you know, he's all right. Hakron's strong. Well, you know, post Usada, I don't know how strong how strong he is, <laughs> but um, pre Usada, he was really strong. And I would say Hakron Diaz by unanimous decision, uh, Borfest. Will Brooks is fighting Cowboy Oliveira in the co-main event, man. And you know that's a that's a fucking scrap right there. You know, I like Alex Oliveira a lot at one seventy, but now this one's back down at one fifty five. I'm going to go with uh, Ill Will Brooks. I think he's just a better fighter. I think he's just better, well-rounded. Uh, you know, I think Oliveira is a good striker, good good uh, Muay Thai guy. I think that Will Brooks is just much better, a much more well-rounded fighter. I think he'll be able to uh, get the takedowns and, and seal the rounds when he needs them. And I think that he also has a speed advantage. And John Lineker is fighting John Dodson in the main event, five-round main event. It's scheduled for five. I don't think it's going to go the full five-round distance. I think someone's going to get knocked out. Who you got? Uh, you think someone's going to get Oh, man, that's a really, really, really tough one. 
Um, I'm gonna go with Lineker TKO in the second. I think Lineker's gonna gonna just sack up and get in there, uh, put put him to sleep. I'm with you on that, man. Actually, you know. The way John Lineker cuts off that cage, I don't think that Dodson's going to be able to get off on his movement that he's known for, that in and out. I really think he's going to be backing up. And yeah, like you said, Lineker's going to land that big shot. It's funny because Dodson's actually the favorite here. Everyone's picking Dodson. So it's good to finally see someone besides myself picking Lineker. And dude, it was just announced yesterday that Eddie Alvarez is fighting Conor McGregor. 155-pound belt. First time the UFC's ever been in New York. I mean, that that's going to be war while it lasts. Yeah... It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, in my opinion, that that they're doing that. You know, giving him every opportunity possible to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Um, you know, he's had a 145 pound title that he hasn't even defended. He's gonna go three fights without defending it. Have you ever? They first of all, the UFC has never allowed somebody to win a title and then go up and and compete for another title. Uh, with especially without defending their title. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You have a stacked weight class waiting in line to get a title, and you're allowing this guy to go up and fight at 170, and then you're allowing him to fight at 155. To They're trying to get him to win two titles to, up his, to get him even more popular. I mean, give me a break, dude. It's a fucking joke. Uh, but, yeah, I hope Eddie Alvarez smashes his ass. I think... I think if Alvarez comes in and, and does what he did to uh, Pettis, he'll win the fight. The only argument I have to what you said is when Jose Aldo was champ, I mean, there were times when he went over a year without defending the belt. Yeah, I mean, that's the, you know there are differences in being injured and, and not being able to fight and then being able to fight but just not fighting at your weight class. It's a huge difference. Definitely. I don't disagree with you. Now, in your weight class, this is the last fight I, I want your prediction on. Frankie the Answer Edgar is fighting Jeremy Lil Heathen Stevens. And I mean, dude, those are two warriors, two legends. Who you got? Uh, Frankie Edgar. You know, I think I think that Frankie is the best besides Jose Aldo. I think, I think you know, I think Frankie and Jose are right there, number one and number two. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I do, you know, Connor did catch Jose Aldo, but he, I don't know, I don't think he's a better fighter. Um, and so I'm going to go with Frankie, um, decision, you know, Jeremy is really, really talented. He's got really heavy hands, but I just think the movement of Frankie Edgar, you know, I think he's going to have a hard time landing those big shots. And I think that he was losing that fight against, you know, I have to go back and look at it again, but I had the feeling he was losing the fight against Dennis Bermudez until he caught him, you know, and I think that Frankie is, is a much better fighter than Bermuda, so Yeah. I don't dis I don't I don't disagree with you there, man. So Chaz, I wanna thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now in half the battle. Always a pleasure, man. Let the audience know what's coming up, man. I know we uh we can follow you on Twitter at Chaz Skelly, but what what are you trying to do next? Uh you know, right now I'm just uh you know, letting my body recover a little bit with some ice cold beer. <laughs> this is my recovery drink. Um, no, I, I don't really have anything. I don't have anything in line, but you know, I'll let everybody know when I do. Obviously, people follow me on social media, so I'll, you know, I'll definitely post it. And just you, uh, South Florida people, look out for me. I'll be back down to back down to Boca Raton area in the next within the next few weeks. So, can't wait, dude. Real quick, because you just reminded me of a question I forgot to ask you. What was the first beer you drank after your fight? 
I actually drank my first beer I drank after the fight was the Budweiser. There you go, man. Well, thanks again for the time, brother, and uh, best of luck in whatever you do next, man. We'll be uh, we'll be tuned in. All right, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Joining me now is Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. What's up, bro? Thanks for having me again. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. We got a lot to talk about. Obviously, you became the first man in MMA history to finish Augusta Montano. You got your first ever UFC victory. How'd that feel, man? Man, it felt good, man. Uh, let's go get that taste of my mouth in a Joe Van fight and uh, get back in the win column and uh, ready to keep the ball rolling now. Now, how did that fight go compared to your expectations? Because, I mean, obviously you dominated the entire fight. You won every round. Uh, you finished him in the third round. I mean, were you expecting a first-round finish, or did it go how you thought it would? Uh, I mean, it felt it, like I had to feel him out a little bit because he's an awkward uh, fighter. Like, he was... Uh, He's not like your traditional type Muay Thai guy. He comes out from different stuff, so I don't want to just come out there and blow through him. But uh, after the first round, I knew it was going to be an easy night. Uh, but uh, he was a tough guy at first, and then uh, I knew I was going to end up finishing him in that. Now, the only success he had was those inside leg kicks. Was that a matter of you baiting him, or was that just, hey, legit, like, you know, he, he had good inside leg kicks? Uh, no, like I said, he was awkward. Like, they weren't bothering me at all, so I was... Uh, it was one of those where I'd rather take anti leg kicks than a punch to the face. So I was like, all right, if you're just going to keep throwing leg kicks, I'm cool with that. Absolutely. I'd rather take those in a punch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you had a very beautiful uh, lead left high kick. You think you're going to sit someone down with that soon? Oh, uh, yeah. That was one of those things that uh, my coach, the group, has said. Because he said he knew, he knew he moves around a lot. So, and uh, he wanted me to just keep bringing that kick up high all the time. So, let him run into it. So, uh it's going to end up dropping somebody with it. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it almost, It's like there's no telegraph, so it comes out of nowhere, which is awesome to see. And, dude, now you got scheduled UFC 205, the first time the UFC's ever been in Madison Square Garden. You're taking on uh, Lyman Good. It's, you know, the former Titan champ versus the former Bellator champ. How'd you feel when you got the call to fight Lyman? Uh, it was huge, man. It felt good, man, that uh, they called me right away. Because uh, I called an Andrew right away. I, I really had no injuries at all for the fight. Uh, I had, like, some stitches from my headbutt, but uh, I knew I wanted to get right back in there. And uh, the fact that they gave me New York, uh, I was ecstatic, man. That was huge. The first time they're going to be in New York. And uh, I was like, yeah, for sure, man. I don't even care who the opponent is. I'm, I'm down for anybody. Yeah, and the cool thing about it is, I mean, just a little side note, you're going to be the first ever male to walk inside the Octagon at MSG. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even uh, think about that, man. That's going to be huge. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. So what do you think about Lyman? I mean, obviously, he's he's pretty big for the weight class. He's a decent striker. I know your boy uh, Ben Askren took care of him a while back, but you and Askren have completely different styles. So how do you think Lyman, you know, matches up with you? Uh. Yeah, like I said, he's an okay striker. Uh, he has a name behind him. Uh, but I think I'm uh, I'm thinking more well-rounded than him. And uh, I think I'll be able to finish him off, keep my momentum going. The fact that I'm having a quick back-to-back fight is going to keep me uh, more fresher than him since he's been out for a minute. So I think I'll be able to use uh, all my tools and uh, get the job done. Yeah, that's a good point you brought up. What's it like, you know, for you taking uh, three back-to-back-to-back fights all in a row? I mean, is that what you want? Uh, yeah, man, actually, it's actually four back-to-back fights, because I had, uh, my Titan Championship. Oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah, right, that's right. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I, I like the way this is going, and I'm getting back-to-back-to-back, so I'd rather have it that way, because I'm usually always training no matter what, and uh, I might as well get paid for my training, so I was like, I'd rather have it that way than 
sit out for six months or whatever, like I usually do, just because I can't find an opponent. So the fact that I'm getting opponents now makes everything easier. Yeah, definitely, man. Now, are you thinking uh, you're going to finish this guy? Are you expecting a three-round war or what? Yeah, man, I'm trying to get in there. I'm, I plan on going in there to finish, man. Uh, I don't get paid for overtime, so I'd rather get it done early. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, did you get a chance to watch uh, that main event between Michael Johnson and Dustin Poirier on that card you were on? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to watch that fight, man, because even like their their tension wasn't fake, man. Like even in the back room, uh, like fighter meeting and stuff like that, they were still jawing at each other, still going at each other. So I was like, man, I gotta watch this fight. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a good fight, man. Uh, and uh, it was crazy how that happened. I really didn't see it happening like that or that soon. Uh, Michael Johnson, uh, he proved that all of his batters wrong, man. He's, he's there to say. Man, you know, I thought if he was going to win, I, I thought it would be at least a hard-fought battle. I didn't think he was going to go out there and knock him out in under two minutes. Yeah, man, that's what I said. I said, uh, anytime Poirier starts John at, at it with his opponent or, like, makes it emotional, that's when he loses. Like, he did the same thing with Conor McGregor. He made it emotional. And uh, he ended up getting uh, dropped in that one, too, man. So I think he, he just needs to worry about fighting and staying calm and cool in there, not going in there emotional. Yeah, that's a good point. And how's your boy uh, Sergio Pettis doing, man? Because, you know, I heard he had to pull out of his fight with Smolka, and I also heard that, you know, Anthony was posting some pictures of Serge in a wheelchair on his Snapchat. I don't know if there's any truth to that because I don't use Snapchat, but that's what people were telling me. Is he all good? Uh, Yeah, man, he really messed up his name. I messed up too, man, because he was, like, training really hard for this fight. He was really, like, really close to weight and everything like that. And then uh, he ended up uh, popping his knee. So uh, hopefully he'll be back soon. And, uh... Uh, but yeah, he's hurt, man. And uh, the fact that what's his face is sitting there talking trash is a joke, man. Because it's a, it's a fight, man. You have to know that the way we train, a lot of fighters get hurt. So the fact that he's sitting there calling all oh, your vagina and all this other <laughs> stuff—that's just like little kid stuff. Yeah, you know, I've always been cool with Smolka, but I thought that was a little bit of uh, poor taste, and, you know, I'd be willing to tell him that, too. So, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that video, but, you know, it is what it is. It's the fight game, and if they get matched up again, uh, Sergio will uh, be able to do his thing. Because I actually thought it was a good matchup for Sergio. I'm very high on Smolka, too, but the way they match up, I thought, uh, you know, Sergio should be the favorite. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and uh, Sergio just beat the guy that Smolka lost to, so uh, I like the Sergio in that fight, too. So, what about uh, T. Woodley versus Wonderboy? I mean, that's happening on the same card that you're on. You're going to get to train with the champ again. How do you see that one going down? Obviously, you're rooting for your boy, but as far as the styles match up, you know, what do you see happening between them? Because that's a, that's a fucking, that's a fight right there, dude. Yeah, yeah, honestly, um, the thing is with that, I think that Woodley's going to be end up being, uh, Boy is going to underestimate Woodley. Woodley's fast, he comes in fast, and uh, especially with his wrestling, I think he's going to be able to take him down. And control them, even with a stand-up game. Uh, Wonder Boy is one of those guys where if he, if he has distance and stuff like that, he'll be able to pick you apart. But if you have a guy that's in your face all the time, like when he fought Matt Brown, Matt Brown was in his face all the time, and uh, Woodley closes that distance a lot faster than Matt Brown. So uh, I think it's gonna be a rough night for Wonder Boy. You think there's a chance that Woodley can knock him out? Because man, I mean, like you said, the way he closes that distance, it's so damn fast. Like you underestimate his ability to cl to close that gap, and then before you know it, you're on the ground. And with Wonderboy, you know, he's taken a couple shots in his time. It's just you know the dudes aren't able to follow up, and they're not able to really connect clean. But if anyone can connect clean, I think Woodley could be the guy. Yeah, exactly, man. Like even in the when he fought Jake Ellenberger, uh, Wonderboy got rocked, and uh, you can see that he keeps his hands low a lot. So uh, I think that uh, Willie could definitely knock him out, catch him, and uh, I think it'd be a, if he does catch him, he won't be uh, 
dragging or uh, stalling on it. Who's going to end up finishing? Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, are you excited to do another camp with the champ? Yeah, man, it's going to be great, man, especially because uh, you got Biggie uh, training for his fight, too. And uh, we got Gerald down there training for his uh, title fight, too, man. So it's going to be good to have everybody in camp at the same time uh, training together. Who's Biggie fighting again? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if he announced his opponent yet. Oh, okay. I don't know okay. if uh, yeah, announced yet, but uh, I know it's a title fight, so it's going to be around the same time, too, in November. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what's up, man. I'm, I'm ready to see uh, our boy in the big show, man. He, he's, he deserves it, but, you know, he's going to go out there and prove it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, he's finished his last, all, all of his guys since uh, getting out of the UFC, and uh, he's definitely a whole different fighter since when he was in there. Yeah, now, Bilal, you know I can't let you go without a couple fight predictions. You know, obviously we talked about your boy T-Wood, but I got to talk about some other fights on that card that you're on, man, because obviously Chris Weidman's fighting Yoel Romero. When I first heard that, I was like, damn, son. I mean, anything can happen in that one. I've never bet against Yoel Romero just because, not not because my dad's name is Yoel, which it is, but because, I mean, the guy's an absolute winner, you know what I'm saying? And I love Weidman, too, you know, the, the only man to ever knock out Anderson Silva. I mean, that's a big feat, but... I've never picked against Yoel, and I'm not going to start now. How do you see that one going, dude? Man, that's, yeah, that's going to be a really good fight, man. That's, I, I was scared that they gave uh, Wyman that fight in his hometown, man. I was like, man, that's, that's a, a tough fight to fight in your hometown, first fight in New York. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> But man. he's towering over the game at uh, the press conference yesterday, and he was like <clears throat> twice his size. Yeah, that's true. Uh, not that the shorter guy can't win, as you know, but uh, that that is true. Yeah, but I think I got uh, Wyman for that fight. I think he's uh, more well-rounded than Romero. Yeah, fair enough, man. I mean, you can definitely make that argument. Obviously, uh, the wrestling is going to be interesting because we got Olympic wrestler versus, what, D1 All-American and Chris Weidman. And then the striking, both of them can knock dudes out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for that. But, dude, the main event... Eddie Alvarez, the lightweight champ, is taking on the featherweight champ, Conor McGregor. I thought Conor McGregor got the better of the verbal exchanges, but we know that uh, fights aren't contested verbally. So who you got? Man, yeah, that was hilarious yesterday, especially when he uh, treated Jeremy Stevens. That was like the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, honestly, I think that uh, McGregor's going to end up catching him. I think uh, when I saw Eddie Alvarez uh, in person, he's a lot smaller than I expected. Yeah, um, I think, uh, McGregor's uh, distance and uh, style, style punching power is going to end up catching uh, Alvarez, especially because Alvarez likes to rush in a lot. So I think McGregor's going to end up uh, leaning back and catching the left hand. And just to your point, man, Alvarez is definitely smaller than uh, you'd think because you know he's listed at five nine. You know, I- I'm shorter than five nine, and I-, I met him in ATL when uh, T Wood was fighting uh, Robbie. And, dude, Eddie was shorter than me, man. I mean, he's cocked. He's fucking built like like no one's business, but he's definitely a short dude. And uh, not that the short dude can't win, as we mentioned, but, yeah, I think uh, McGregor, he knows how to beat this kind of fighter, and he's going to catch him. So it's going to be a great fight. But regardless, man, Eddie's a warrior, and I can't wait to see it. Now, Bilal, want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now in Half the Battle. Always a pleasure, my man. The fans can follow you at BullyB170. And let us know uh, what else is coming up, man. Uh, thanks, bro. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me again. Uh, I just hope everybody just tunes in, man, because uh, definitely going to put on a show November uh, 12th, man. They didn't say my name at the uh, pre-fight press conference, but they'll be saying it at the post-fight press conference. Oh, yeah, man. We'll, we'll be remembering that name for sure. Bilal, thanks again for the time, brother. Thanks, bro. Jose Shorty, what's up, man? It's Daniel from Half the Battle. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Good, man. How you been? I've been great. I can't complain. 
Well, that's good to hear, man. We got a lot to talk about. Thanks for taking the time, firstly. But, dude, I got to know, man, who you got between John Dodson and John Lineker? I mean, obviously, they're both former flyweights. Now they're bantamweights. They're competing in the main event at UFC Portland this weekend. Who you got, man? The funny thing about that is I was actually talking to Dot before everything was even negotiated about it or even as an idea. And I go, man, it'd be really cool to see you fight Lineker. And he goes, really? Yeah, you got two, you know, two flyweights bumping up. Yeah, I think this is awesome, and you guys are just nothing but powerhouses. Just to see who knocks out whoever. But personally, I think John Dodson, not just because I'm a little biased uh, because I trained at Jackson Wing, but because he moves so much more than John Lineker, and I think he's more explosive, I think he'd be able to catch John Lineker pretty easily. You know, I actually completely forgot that uh, you guys trained together, but let me ask you this. So you said he's going to catch him. You think it's going to be a first-round stoppage? I can see that. I can see that. If not... Dodson, you know, pushing the pace and eventually finishing the third round, but I don't see this fight at all going to uh, a decision. Here's my big question, because we all know that Dodson, I mean, his footwork, his speed is just off the charts, but can he maintain that same pace all five rounds? I mean, you know, Dodson, he, he has he has had that problem mainly with Demetrius Johnson, but I don't think Lineker's pushed the pace as what Demetrius Johnson did against uh, John Dodson. So, overall, I think Dodson has a conditioning to go against John Lineker, and I believe, again, he's going to be able to finish him. I think Dodson's just a little more technical, and, I mean, I'm not saying Lineker's not, but, you know, he, he does swing wild, he has hands of stone, he takes a lot of shots, but you can't take shots in Dodson. This is true. You know what's so interesting about the fight, man? It's like, you know, whenever they're, you know, it's a, it's a mover versus a stalker. You know, uh, Lineker's the stalker and Dodson's the mover. You know, it's funny because whenever there's a stalker, I'm always like, okay, you know, I, I need a good mover to beat him. And then whenever there's a mover, I need a good stalker to cut off that ring and beat him. So it's always about, you know, which guy is going to be better at executing that game because their styles are, you know, so, so contrasting. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, personally, I, I can see this fight where, and, and Dotson has done this to me a bunch of times, where you know, he's moving around, moving around, moving around, and he just immediately stops and just jumps forward. And he does it so fast because he's so small and in the pocket already. And he's so muscular and strong, his explosiveness is ridiculous. So, again, if, if he does come in, he's going to knock him out with a straight left hand. So, dude, I mean, what you been up to since you became champ? <laughs> just still being a champ. Uh, no, I'm just, just been relaxing, man. Um, I'm down here, down in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, helping Mark De La Rosa train for his championship fight against Steven Peterson for the Legacy Bantamweight Championship. Um, but last week, I was actually in the kingdom of Bahrain helping them. I was the commentator, play-by-play commentator for them in uh, the first ever Brave One, the beginning federation. So it's, it was awesome. They just had their own promotion. They had, I mean, you think you think of a new promotion, you're like, oh, it's going to be small scale, but you have the Prince of Bahrain, you know, the Sheikh of Bahrain paying for it, so there's no budget. You know, so everyone is just, everything's high scale, looks like a pride event, mix of glory, bigger than UFC. They had 13 countries fighting in it, you know, five continents being represented. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. It was awesome. Yeah, you know, I actually heard about you going to Bahrain. Uh, you know, Brian told me about that. I mean, dude, what was that flight like, firstly? Yeah, well, it's my second time over there. It's, uh, it's a good 17-hour straight flight, and then you, know, you have a layover here and there. But uh, it's... Like in me, I take sleeping pills with me, man. I, you know, I'll, eat, I'll eat first, and then I'll just pass out for a good 10 hours, and then you know, probably play some Pokemon on my DS or you know, watch the movies. But I just relax. You know, I, don't, I don't think too much of it. Now, I mean, when you went there, was it to go to this event you were talking about? Was it to like, spend some time with the troops? Uh, pardon my ignorance because I don't know much about it, but just tell me what that trip was all about. No, so this one, um, the Sheikh of Bahrain, the Prince of Bahrain, started his own promotion. 
called Braves. Uh, it's uh, Braves Combat Federation where they're trying to compete with 1FC, UFC, you know, Bellator. And this was, it was called Brave One, the beginning. And they had 13 countries being represented from, you know, Egypt, um, you know, Egypt, Serbia, Bahrain, India, America, Mexico, all fighters from around the world. And they came in, you know, representing five continents, which is awesome. And they put on a great show. We had 10 fights and there was seven stoppages and three only went to the finish. Yeah. So overall, it was, it was amazing. Wow, that's incredible, dude. And could you sense like a, a certain kind of hunger in these fighters coming from those countries? Yeah, and the reason why is because, you know, Middle Eastern fighters, they have a hard time being shown. You know, they have, uh, they don't have any promotions besides, besides Desert Force that doesn't really do much when it comes to, you know, a number of events. So they started Brave, and you had all these fighters just wanting to explode, wanting to be showcased around the world. And they actually uh, streamed it live on their website for free, so it could be, you know, streamed everywhere from around the world. I mean, it had so much uproar after the event, and they were so excited for Brave 2 and Brave 3. That's badass, dude. So you planning on going back at some point? Yeah, they said I did a good job compensating, so I'll be I'll be back there for the second and third ones. Hey, how can I check out those fights, man? That's badass you got that commentary role. Yeah, actually, that's something I've always wanted to put on my resume, and, you know, I never shut up anyways, and I'm always <laughs> explaining what's happening to uh, to my fiancé back at home while we watch the fight. So it's like, ah, why not do it on a mic and get paid for it? So, you know, I gave it a shot, and Cyrus sees my co-commentator, and it was, it was an awesome opportunity, man. I just can't wait to do it again. Right now, the stream isn't officially up to rewatch. It was live, but it'll eventually. Hey, you mentioned your fiancé. How long have you been engaged for, bro? Uh, we're in a few months. Yeah, probably about a year, year and three or four months. Okay, well, I'm a little late to the party, but congrats anyways, man. That's <laughs> badass. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, dude, I mean... Eddie Alvarez is fighting Conor McGregor in New York, UFC 205, the first time the UFC has ever been to Madison Square Garden and, and New York, let alone. How do you see that fight going now? Because obviously, you know, it's champion versus champion, two legends of the sport, two warriors. Who's going to take it, man? Yeah, I can see Conor McGregor beating him on the stand-up, but Eddie Alvarez, you know, pushes the pace, and if he's able to tie him up, he's in his great condition. Again, his practice partner is Frankie Edgar. I can see him taking down to the ground and just ground and pound straight for five rounds. I don't know if he'll finish him. But overall, I can see uh, Eddie Alvarez taking the fight if he gets close. But if Conor McGregor plays the distance right and you know lands with big power left and right, he's he's gonna easily win that fight. So that's a fifty-fifty. Yeah, that depends at, who you know stylistically who gets their point across. As a Faraz Zahabi would say, Conor McGregor has that touch of death in his left hand. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it absolutely is. How's our boy BJ Penn looking? The legend, man. He's taking on Ricardo Lamas in a main event in the Philippines. I mean, I'm always going to root for BJ Penn because it's BJ Penn, but how's he looking, man? Oh, I don't know. I haven't, you know, I haven't had Jack Swing since my, my championship fight, but overall, from right here, everything is going good. He's training with Diego Sanchez, trying to get his conditioning back up, and uh, you know, I can see the fight going his way, but, you know, as long as, as, long as he, he starts to look like the old BJ Penn, I can see him winning the fight pretty easily, but, you know, again, it's you know, it's it's an uh, older gentleman trying to get back in, back in to improve a point. So we'll we'll see what Ricardo Lamas has for him. But you know, Ricardo Lamas, he's again. I've I trained with him back at Alvarez College when we wrestled together, and he's he's a strong, persistent fighter. So again, that depends how it goes stylistically. But I can see BJ Penn winning it if you get the old BJ Penn. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously what I want as a fan because, you know, I mean, when I started watching the sport, it was guys like BJ Penn that really made me understand and appreciate and realize that this is the best sport on planet Earth. Yeah, again, it's DJ's an awesome guy, but there's also a point where you know you got to hang up. I'm not saying he has to now, but 
if he's starting to lose because, you know, stylistically he's too slow for the fighters or he's not having enough power or he's just not in shape, then, you know, you have to understand that Ricardo Lamas is a guy who does nothing but push forward and push the pace. So, you know, we're going to see how BJ's conditioning is. And I'm not worried about his technique because he definitely has any. He puts them on me. But, you know, Ricardo Lamas can hit hard and he's always going to push forward. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about you, man? I mean, what are you looking to do next? Because obviously you're the Titan FC flyweight champion. They, you know, they have a word interim in there, which you and I both know is not the case because as far as I'm concerned, you're the undisputed champ. So, I mean, are you looking to defend that title or are you looking to just go straight to the big show? Well, I wish I can go straight to the big show, but that's, you know, that's on them if they call me or not. But overall, um, I do want to finish my contract with Titan FC. I have one more fight on there. And, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. I, I personally like to fight Pedro Nobert just because he has such a big record, and that's a fight to take to where, you know, if I win that fight, the guy's a UFC veteran. He only has, you know, so many losses under his belt. He's, you know, plus 20 fights. I don't see why, you know, why beating him wouldn't put me up to the UFC. Um, and losing to him stylistically, I mean, statistically, if I lose to him, I only have three pro fights. So it's not like it's a downfall in my career. And I'm only 24, so plenty of plenty of time and, uh, you know, plenty of time to learn. But overall, man, I'm, I'm, I want to fight him, but if they can't give me him, then I'm more happy to take anybody else. So, I mean, Pedro Nobre, obviously UFC vet, like you mentioned. He fought my boy, uh, Yuri Alcantara. Now, is he the number one contender in Titan right now? I mean, I would believe so. You know, Titan FC has, has done with, you know, Tim Elliott when he was the champion of putting random guys in there, you know, from Brazil, whatever the case, that had good records. I really don't believe that philosophy. I believe you should fight for a title contender shot. And if you win that, then you know you can move up to the championship fight. Pedro Nobres was fighting Sid Bice after he fought Tim Elliott and lost. He fought Sid Bice. Sid Bice was supposed to win and you know move up to fight Tim Elliott. He sadly lost to Pedro Nobre, and Nobre is the only guy with a win in Titan FC at the 125 pound division compared to the new guys that just fought um, and entered. Maybe you know I can fight one of them, but um, the only other guy is Alexis Vila, but he just lost to uh, Abdiel Velasquez, which is a guy I just knocked. Yeah, exactly. No, okay, so it has to be Pedro Nobre unless they sign someone else. Unless they sign someone else. But overall, I mean, just number-wise, paperwork-wise, you got a guy who has 20-plus fights compared to me finding a guy that's, you know, another, I'm not saying anything wrong with Abdiel Velasquez, but another guy who's, you know, a young prospect coming up. I don't want to fight other young prospects. I want to fight veterans to show the UFC that I can, you know, bang with the best. Absolutely, and I mean, I know for a fact that you're on Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard's uh, radar. There's no doubt about that. You know, I'm not, and this is me stylistically. Give, yeah, I'll, I'll turn on the fight, you know, some fights if I feel, hey, maybe this is not the best career choice for me at this point, but I want to put on a show. I don't care if I win or lose. All I really enjoy is to put on a show, and I love the challenge. And Pedro Nobre for sure is going to be my toughest challenge yet. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And uh, I, I'm excited to see that. I mean, are, what's your timetable? When do you want to return? Um, From what I'm looking at, we have two two amateurs that just got signed to Titan FC, which is, uh, William Starks and Carlos Hernandez, which were both I'm a full champions like I was. And I they got their pro debut. They're getting started, I believe, in December. So I want to be able to be with them, you know, and, and take some nerves off of their pro debut because I know I was definitely nervous. Now, what was it like for you coming back home as the champion? <laughs> it was a pro and a con because the pro thing is like, oh, yeah, I'm a champion. The con was I didn't have my belt with me. Titan FC and, and Lex and Jeff are making custom belts for every single Titan FC champion, which is awesome. I mean, that's real nice to make custom belts from Ray Ray Championship belts. And it has our nameplate on there with our uh, nation's colors in the background, which is amazing. You know, and I was like, oh, cool, what am I getting the belt? He goes, uh, 
in like two months, it takes it takes forever to make. <laughs> okay, so when I go home, I go to see all my sponsors. I bring the banner, you know, show them the fight. They didn't see it, and I'm like, Shorty, how you doing? Um, where's the belt? No, uh, <laughs> well, they're making it for me. They're like, okay, well, well, it was nice seeing you. I was like, oh man, all right. Well, no one wants to see me there to see the belt. So, you know, right? It was a point of con, but everyone's happy, and I'm just excited to get back home to Chicago, start training for my next training camp, and. Uh, you know, show off the belt as I should as a champion. That's hilarious, dude. So has it come in yet? No, it hasn't come in. It's actually uh, what I'm planning and hoping to go, which I believe is really funny, is um, I talked to Ray Ray Championship Belts, and I go, hey, man, can I get the belt uh, by October 10th? He goes, yeah, yeah, we'll have it by then. So what I want to do is I want to walk out with Mark De La Rosa since he's fighting for the championship belt for Legacy. I'm hoping that if he wins the fight and has the belt, that we can both take pictures saying champion versus champion, you know, just promote each other and just have a lot of fun that way. And just take two champions train together. It's iron sharpens iron, you know, but I go, Hey man, you just got to win. You know, if you lose, I, I don't know what to do. Do you hold my end of the belt and still take a picture? Uh, do I just take a picture with your opponent? I don't know what to do here. Yeah, exactly, man. So October 10th. Okay. That's a day after my birthday. So you'll be, uh, you'll be celebrating my birthday with that bell, right? I'm hoping so. <laughs> I, I, you, you tag me in anything, remind me, I will send a picture of you and, and you know, me and you together, you know, photo crop or whatever, and be next to the belt. Hell yeah, man. That's Happy what's birthday. up. So, dude, you, you heard about uh, RFA and Legacy merging, and man, when I heard that, I thought that was a win-win for the sport. And I want to know your opinion on that, because it, what they're trying to do, I think it's a great concept. And, you know, obviously you're with Titan. I love Titan, too. And it has nothing to do with Titan, because Titan's going to keep doing what Titan does, but... I just thought it was a really good move for Legacy and RFA to do that, man, and to try to build a, a AAA. What do you think? I mean, I believe that's awesome. You get all these big-time promotions, Legacy, Titan, RFA, um, and, and so many more across the nation that are on UFC Fight Pass that they're pretty much the AAA of the major leagues. You know, this is this is our mark to, to move up in the world. And you got RFA and Legacy coming together. And what is it? Is it LFA now? Yeah, LFA. You know, they're making LFA, which they're going to have eventually champion versus champion to make undisputed champion, and they're going to showcase some of the best talent from around the world. And now one promotion, instead of splitting it up into two events, you know, they're making more money out of this and making more profit. They're showing off the fighters a lot more. And with both teams together, I mean, it's, it's going to be nothing but big-time promotion and big-time success for all the fighters. Let me ask you this, dude, because, you know, obviously with the Ultimate Fighter, there's a bunch of champions trying to fight for their chance to face DJ. Were you at all like, man, they should have picked me to be on there? Or was it like, you know, you weren't champion when it happened? Well, it's funny because they, I had a lot of people when I was at Jackson Wing telling me about that. They go, um, well, there's one, I'm not a champion. Two, yeah, I might be one of the biggest prospects at 35-25 at the time um, coming up because I was a two-time world champion. But that's that's that wasn't my cup of tea. I don't want to be on a reality show. Mainly with all the hype I have, I don't need this type of hype move me up i believe what i'm doing right now and and winning the, the vacant belt the interim belt has, has put me in a position where you know i can negotiate something very nice for myself compared to being an ultimate fighter you know, i could look i can look like the bad guy i can look like the good guy i can get beat up by you know demacio page or somebody else that's been a veteran in the sport again you know the first two guys i fought or even the first three guys i fought they've never been called champions yet you know compared to if i fought tim ellie or demacio page or um, whoever else is on that show, these are all champions or champions. And not saying I'm not, but am I ready for that type of caliber of competition yet? You know, me only being, uh, you know, 3-0 compared to all these guys have 10-plus fights. 
Yeah, you make a good point as far as the business standpoint is concerned. You know, I, I actually really respect what you said there. But as far as you being on that caliber, look, I, I understand those guys have more experience than you, but I mean, experience is only something that's contested on paper. You know what I'm saying? And by mm-hmm. your performances, I think you can contend there. But you got to do what's right for you, man. You got to follow, you know, what you believe deep in your heart is the way to go. And obviously, that's what you're doing. Yeah, and I mean, you got these guys. And, I, and I'm not saying I haven't trained, you know, hard for all my life, but you got these guys that have been professional for, you know, such a long period of time that skip some of their amateur careers short to turn professional, make money, and make a living off of this. And the show is making them, you know, for mainly for Demacio Page, Tim Ellie, and the other guys that have been cutting you and trying to get back in there, even though they've lost, you know, like Demacio, even though he lost, he might be back in the UFC. You know, even if Tim Elliott loses, he might be back in the UFC. The, the Latino fight for Entram, uh, Tijuana, Mexico, you know, he lost his first fight, but we saw that he got already signed to the UFC and he'll be fighting December 3rd. So this is, when or lose, that's their big opportunity. They've worked their whole career for this. And me, you know, to, to get that shot at 3-0, I, I believe respectfully, I don't deserve that yet. Now, true or false, when you visualize your career, this time next year, you will be in the UFC. I believe after this fight, I'll be in the UFC. <laughs> after my next fight, I'll be in the UFC. I've already had... People talk to me, people ranking me, summons in the world, top prospect, not UFC in my weight class, and all these other things. Again, I'm really humbled by it, and I really appreciate everything, you know, people, all their support and they're giving me. But, um, you know, I, I can see myself being UFC very soon. All I'm waiting for is just a call. Awesome, brother. Well, we can't wait to see it, man, and uh, I know it's going to happen very soon. And, Jose, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Always a pleasure, my man. Let the audience know where to follow you. And anything else you want to plug, man, now's the time. Well, I appreciate it. Again, everyone supported me, all my sponsors. Thank you so much, all the interviewers, yourself. Um, you know, I want to say if you want to follow me, Instagram, Jose Shorty Torres, uh, Facebook, Jose Shorty Torres MMA, Twitter, Shorty Torres125. And if anybody wants to support Team Shorty and, you know, purchase a T-shirt, please go to JoseShortyTorres.com. T-shirts are 20 and $25. Again, I appreciate all the support, and I'd love to see people take pictures rocking Team Shorty, and I'd love to post it as well. Yeah, for everyone listening, definitely go buy that shirt because, I mean, those shirts are badass, man. You tagged me in there, and, uh, yeah, I really like the design. And, Jose, thanks again for the time, man. We can't wait to see uh, what you do next, bro. Well, I appreciate it, man, and I expect you to see I expect to see a shirt on your birthday. Oh, you <laughs> will. You will very soon, my friend. Have a great day, brother. All right, you too, man. Thank you. Peace. Kenny the Sensation Porter. Welcome to Half the Battle, bro. Oh, right on. How you doing? <laughs> doing awesome, man. Uh, how are you doing? I mean, I'm just watching these debates, and man, I got to say, no matter who uh, you're voting for, I, I think we're all fucked, man. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I almost stay away from that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Exactly. So how you doing, man? You excited for your fight? Uh, you got the call on short notice. You're fighting in the RFA in the co-main event this Friday on Access TV. Absolutely. I'm super ready, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you're taking on a vet in Nick. So what do you think about him? Uh, Nick's, I mean, a tough fighter, you know. He brings a lot to the game, and uh, I want to see where I'm at, and I'm pretty sure you want to see where he's at. Absolutely. And what you been up to, man? Because, I mean, you haven't fought since August. You've just been, uh, I mean, you've been working on your skills. You've been dealing with stuff outside the cage. What you been up to? Uh, you know, I had a few things I had to take care of, personal life, but at the same time, I was training and bettering my skills. Uh, I traveled across seas a few times and stuff like that, and tra- been traveling and getting a lot of experience, basically. But bottom line, you're feeling good and ready to go? Yeah, I've been feeling, I feel really good. I can't wait to get back in here. That's what's up, man. Now, 
you know, a lot of your fights, you win most of them via submission. But do you are you more of a wrestler or a jujitsu guy? Uh, I want to say uh, both. I wrestled in you know high school and college, so it wrestling come natural to me. But uh, I like standing up. I like to keep it standing. People try to take me down, and I just submit them from there. But other than that, I like my stand up. I'm really good at stand up. I box. Uh, right now, I'm undefeated as a boxer, professional boxer as well. Okay, so I mean, what do you uh, like doing better? You like boxing or MMA? Uh, it's a mixture between both. I like both. It's just the same, you know. I like competing, fighting. Uh, MMA uh, is a lot easier to me, I feel. But boxing, I like boxing too, the much just as much, <laughs> almost. I know, right? And so, what's your long term goal in this sport? I mean, you trying to get to the UFC, or are you just fighting because you love fighting? Like, what what do you want to do? Uh, I wanna I wanna fight some big names. I wanna get my name as being one of the greatest fighters in the world. I would like to be a UFC champion too. Here soon. Definitely, and you were actually supposed to fight uh, Gene Herrera in RFA, and he pulled. So that would have been a good name to get under your belt. But here with uh, Nick Urso, that's also a good name. What went down with that Gene Herrera fight? How come it didn't happen? Uh, Gene got called into the UFC. Oh, man. So, I mean, yeah. you're just waiting on your turn, huh? Yeah, I'm just waiting on my turn. I fought the former RFA champion and Matt Manzanares. He uh, brought a good fight. You know, I learned a lot in that fight. You know, picked up a lot of things I needed to work on. And I still got the victory. What did you learn in that fight? Um, I might have overdid it with my training. And I, were, you know, just participated and I felt like I had so much to prove. But, you know, I mean, other than just being myself in there. Yeah, well, I mean, you learn your craft as you go, right? Absolutely. So, dude, this Saturday in your division, John Lineker, actually, they moved up a weight class. They're bantamweights now. I thought they were flyweights. But John Lineker and John Dodson are throwing down. Who you got in that fight, man? Um, I like Dodson. Uh, they'd probably be a good fight for Dodson. I feel like Dodson would probably win that one. How do you see it going down? You think he's going to be able to you know, dart in and out and tag him? Because, I mean, Lineker likes to walk dudes down. I feel like um, John Dotson's foot movement uh, will make sure, you know, I'm pretty sure his foot movement will keep him at bay and him able to get in and out. Uh, John Lineker hasn't really fought a lot of people like Dotson, so I feel like Dotson still has an advantage in that aspect. Fair enough, fair enough. And how do you see your fight going down, man? I mean, it's only a few days away. And, you know, both of you guys are coming off layoffs, but both of you guys are very experienced. And uh, I'm sure both of you are trying to get in the big show. Absolutely. Uh, I see this fight going my way. Um, a lot of people see if it goes to decision, it's going to be my way. But I'm not trying to let it go to decision. I want to end the fight pretty soon, you know, either by knockout or a fast submission. You know, it depends where this fight ends up. If it ends up on our feet, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have the advantage on our feet. Just dealing with my speed and uh, how much experience I have on standing up. If not, uh, if you go to the ground, I feel like I have the better wrestling. So we'll, we'll see where it ends up. So you said a lot of people think uh, you'd win the decision? Yeah. But, I mean, you, you've you won most of your fights inside the distance. You're right. Um, and that's, a, that's a good question. I've been reading a lot of articles and stuff, and people say I'm going to win by. Well, if it you know goes to the distance, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to win by the decision. Interesting, man. That's a good question, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around that because, I mean, like, you've only been, what, to decision twice out of your uh, nine yeah. wins? Yes. Yeah, well, let, let them keep <laughs> writing the articles and you keep doing the fighting, my man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
So, dude, are you a, a fan of the sport or are you just a, a fighter? Like, do you like do you wa- like watching the sport too? Oh, absolutely! I love watching the fights. I pick up stuff as I watch the fights. Most definitely, always something to learn. So I I watch fights all the time. I I have a few fighters that I like to you know keep an eye on too. Oh yeah, who are they? Uh, Jose Aldo, or Jose Aldo, sorry. <laughs> He's uh, one of the people I w- grew up watching the sport, so, you know, I grew to favor him a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's a badass. I mean, obviously, one of the greatest featherweights of all time. And word on the street, man, is there's a chance that him and Connor could be rematching at New York. I know by the time this podcast comes out, uh, Connor's fight is most likely going to be announced because I'm hearing he's going to be on this New York card. We're, we're going to find out tomorrow. You and I are talking here on Monday, but it's going to be announced Tuesday at 6 p.m. But let's say they are matched up for the rematch. How do you see that going down, considering how the first one went down? I think um, uh, Jose will come with a better game plan. I feel like if the fight would have went a little longer the first time, it would have been a, it probably would have been a good war. But because um, I don't think uh, Conor McGregor's cardio is the same as you know the weatherweight's period down there, I mean uh, featherweight's period. But uh, I heard Conor McGregor was supposed to be fighting for the 155 title. Is that true too? I mean, that's what people were saying, but, I mean, man, I'm hearing all kinds of different things. So, it, bottom line, it's either going to be Eddie Alvarez or Jose Aldo. Right. There you go. Okay. Well, I would like to see both. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. And, I mean, my question with that Aldo fight is, you know, can can Aldo take those shots, man? Because, I mean, McGregor hits like a truck. He does. Yeah, He does. He comes out pretty strong in the first two rounds, but I think he... After those first two rounds, he pretty much dies down a little bit. But, you know, he's pretty creative, so we'll see. <laughs> what did you, you think about uh, that rematch with Nate? Uh, I feel like he came out and did, what he, you know, did what he had to do. Uh, I was impressed, you know what I mean? He showed, he showed he can, you know, fight all five rounds and hang in there with him. Uh, I just I don't like going up in that big of weight class, two weight classes up. I mean, it's tough. It, show, it shows he has a lot of heart. Yeah, definitely. Now, dude, this fight that you're competing at, RFA 44, it's one of the last RFA events because they're merging with Legacy. So you you pumped to fight on a historic event just in the fact that it's going to be one of their last ever? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, RFA is one of the best cards I've fought on, and they're really, really nice guys up there too. Yeah, and they produce some great fighters too, and obviously Legacy does as well. What do you think about that merger? Because from what I've heard, I mean, it just seems like a win-win for the fighters and for the sport to have a place to you know develop all these prospects and then to send them to the big show. Man, it's almost like the ultimate like farm system in a way. I've been seeing a lot of shows do that. They merge with bigger. Well, they try to make a bigger and better show, which I see is perfect. It's a great game plan, you know. They set up the business plan and they excel at it. They're doing really well to me. I feel like it's a perfect, perfect game plan. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that, man. And Ken, want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's a pleasure, my man. Let the audience know where to follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time. Uh, absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Ken Porter, The Sensation. Uh, Twitter, Ken Porter One, and any other website. Just put in Ken Porter, you can find me. I uh, appreciate everyone's support. Uh, I will make sure you see a great fight coming up here on the 30th. Awesome, man. We'll be tuning in. And uh, thanks again for the time. Best of luck in your fight, dude. Thank you, sir. There you have it, folks. Chaz the Scrapper Skelly, Bilal Remember the Name Muhammad, 
Jose Shorty Torres, and Ken Porter. Thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of Half the Battle. I'll be back later on this week with the fight predictions for UFC Portland. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. And subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.